Hi, this is Lea, journalist covering EU affairs in Brussels. Before leaving the town for the end of the year holidays, I'd like to take a look at some important events in the European bubble here in Brussels over the past weeks. I'm not talking about the corruption scandal in the European Parliament or about the ninth package of sanctions against Russia, but about the Green Deal. I've been following the discussions around the introduction of a carbon border adjustment mechanism and let's call it right away CBAM. I already wrote a story for Euronet Plus in 2021 about it, which you can find on our website, and since then I've been waiting for this regulation to be completed. And this came to me and to the rest of Europe as a Christmas gift, I suppose. The EU has just finalized some important text in its Green Deal to curb CO2 emissions in the industry sector, including the CBAM. It has managed to maintain a certain level of ambition, but had to compromise on the timeline of its actions. And this is what I'd like to talk about in this Voices from Brussels podcast. On the 17th of December, which was a Saturday night, some people in the European Parliament in Brussels clapped their hands at around 2 a.m. Negotiators from the European Parliament, the Member States and the European Commission concluded discussions to reduce industrial carbon emissions in line with the EU's commitments under the EU's Fit for 55 package. Firstly, they agreed to upscale the EU's carbon market, the EU Emission Trading System, or ETS. They indeed extended its scope to emissions from two major polluters, the aviation and the maritime sectors. The functioning of the carbon market is also improved by reducing the total number of emission allowances available on the market, which means there will be less permits to pollute overall in the EU. In addition, the negotiators agreed on a system to tax products imported into the EU that have not been subject to any carbon pricing yet. And this will be done thanks to the so-called CBAM. And that is the year's end major achievement, according to French member of the European Parliament, Pascal Canfin, who participated to the negotiations. I mean, we are the first to decide to put uh, a carbon price when you enter uh, uh, the uh, EU. There is no equivalent in the world. The EU was already first in the world to create a carbon market back in 2005 with its EGS. It sets a price for carbon emissions to be paid by producers in some of the EU's most polluting industrial sectors. But this system has not proven very effective in reducing emissions, and the reason is twofold. Firstly, because the carbon price wasn't, for a long time, high enough to encourage companies to pollute less. And the second reason is that the EU has granted too many free emissions quotas to European companies, they did so to avoid putting them at a disadvantage compared to producers in third countries that are not subject to carbon pricing. But this will change with CBAM. From 2026 onwards, importers will also have to pay for the carbon in their imported products. This concerns at least the following sectors. Electricity, iron and steel, aluminium, cement, fertilizers and hydrogen. As a result of the CBAM, the allocation of free allowances to European companies operating in these six sectors will no longer be necessary, as they will be on equal footing with importers. Nevertheless, the end of the free allowances has created a huge debate for a year and a half. Companies did not want to be completely cut from these free quotas from one day to the next, so they lobbied hard in Brussels to maintain this benefit as much as possible. The answer from co-legislators is that free quotas will slowly disappear between 2026 and 2034. By 2030 already, 
around half of those free allowances should be removed from the market. Then they have four more years to fully go down. But this is still 12 years away from now. Many NGOs and think tanks had hoped for a faster pace. Geneviève Ponce, director general of the Europe Jacques Delors think tank, has been advocating in favor of a CBAM for many years now. With her colleagues, she called for a rapid phase out of the free quota since the beginning of the discussions. What is really important and even fundamental is the total parallelism between the withdrawal of free allowances and the introduction of a carbon adjustment mechanism at the borders. It's really a communicating vessel. As long as there are free allowances, there is nothing to compensate at the border. And when they gradually disappear, the carbon adjustment mechanism will be introduced at the borders. And there we understand even better the importance of the withdrawal of these free quotas, because it will stimulate the disappearance of carbon dioxide emissions from these sectors, both internally in the EU and externally. The sectors that received free allowances did not decarbonize. Her point is the following. If I am a company operating in cement, for instance, I will get less and less free allowances. But I will still receive some until 2034, and this will give me an advantage. The CBAM must therefore take this into account before taxing importers with the full carbon price, at least until 2034. The negotiators included such an adjustment. So in the end, this means that the carbon price for goods on the EU market, produced both inside and outside the EU, will only be fully paid from 2035 onwards. This is far too late for NGO Carbon Market Watch, which voiced its discontent after the deal was reached. It considers that CBAM is diluted by free pollution permits. On the first day of the final negotiations, on the 15th of December, the NGO organized a gathering in front of the European Parliament in Brussels to call for ambitious rules in ETS and CBAM. There I met with Agnese Ruggiero, policy officer and expert on EU carbon market and industrial emissions at Carbon Market Watch. When I talked to her, the content of the final agreement was still unknown, and the end date of the free quotas was supposed to land somewhere between 2032 and 2036. This was much later than Agnese had hoped, but she admitted that cutting free quotas by half by 2030 was somehow decent. The truth is that what's important today, we're looking at 2030 targets. Everything Everything else, it's important, of course, to have in mind the end date overall for the pollution permits. And definitely 2032 will be better than, than longer. It will, the ETS will be revised again before that. So, so it's important to have at least a fixed 2030 target. Indeed, the ETS will need to be revised before 2030, as the recently adopted revision only runs until that year. This means that EU policymakers could possibly raise the level of ambition when they proceed with the next revision. Another element that will need to be revised is the scope of CBAM to cover even more products in the future. At present, it is limited to the sectors I listed earlier electricity, iron and steel, aluminium, fertilizers, cement and hydrogen. But CBAM will also target certain components that are called precursors that are very present in steel and aluminium, for instance, along with certain transformed products. These are items like screws or bolts, which contain a high percentage of steel. As for other transformed products that are using steel, iron or aluminium in smaller percentages, but still in high quantities, such as cars, 
they are not covered for the time being. However, the co-legislators have agreed to review this by 2026 at the latest, when CBAM costs will start to apply to importers, as MEP Pascal Canfin explains. He is the chairman of the Environment Committee in the European Parliament. For some products, like cars, and for some uh, potential agri-food products, you might have an effect where actually fertilizer is a key element of the cost, the key element of the CO2 emissions. And then if you, have, if you do not import fertilizers, but you do, you do import the transformed products based on fertilizer, then you still have uh, uncompetitiveness and, and, and disadvantages for the EU industry. That's exactly why it was a big battle and a big element of the mandate of the parliament. We fought for an uh, uh, extended scope of CBAM for downstream products. At the latest, with a proposal from the Commission in 2026. Canfin believes that we first need to start simple and then extend the scope. And the expert Geneviève Pons is of the same opinion. Je vois la rationalité d'inclure les produits en aval. I can see the rationality of including downstream products. We can understand, for example, in the case of the car industry, that if we import steel that is produced elsewhere, we will pay CBAM. And at the moment, when we import cars, we do not pay CBAM. But we are convinced that the CBAM, which has never been implemented before, is so sensitive, so complex, that the important thing is to understand how it works. We even propose to take only two products. We propose to take cement, because there are few products that are easily identifiable in terms of carbon content, easy to measure and so on, and electricity, because there were already examples of carbon leakage in electricity. An extension of CBAM to chemicals would also make sense, according to Agnese Ruggiero. The European Parliament had proposed to include organic chemicals in the scope, but this will only be analysed at the time of the review in 2026. Um, I think the CBAM could have covered a wider range of sectors. In particular, what's really missing from this agreement is the chemical sector certain yeah, sectors or precursors that would then that end up in, in plastic products. And plastic is such a huge catastrophe in our times, both in the pollution that's caused after when it ends up in, in use and then down to our oceans, but also before because it's extremely carbon intensive. So by starting to phase out free allowances to these sectors would in Europe urge them to find alternatives also in terms of feedstock that is used and alternatives in terms of we have to stop using plastics, period. And would also give the same signal to producers abroad beyond Europe that Europe does not want to import cheap carbon intensive plastics anymore. But The EU wants to take it step by step, both in terms of the scope and the entry into force of the measure. And that is what is being criticised for. One way or another, both NGOs and industries are not satisfied with the speed of implementation of these measures. The CBAM will not cover enough emissions in the next 12 years, according to many. As for the ETS revision, it should lead to a 62% reduction in emissions from the sectors concerned, compared to 43% under the previous system. 
To comply with the objectives of the Paris Agreement, NGOs estimate that these industries would have to reduce their emissions by 70% to make a fair contribution to these objectives. For the time being, the agreements have to be formally adopted by the member states in the Council and by the MEPs, probably early next year. This step is usually a formality, but in the case of these two texts, which have seen many reversals in the past, this could prove tricky. This is it for this episode. I hope this gives you a better picture of one at least of the Green Deal measures. I wish you a great festive season, making sure to come back in 2023 for more episodes of our Voices from Brussels podcasts. À bientôt.